listening to SBS On The Money with Ricardo Gonsalves. Hi everyone, it's your daily 10-minute business and finance news wrap for this Thursday, the 7th of July 2022. Well, for the first time in about a decade, coal has overtaken iron ore as Australia's most valuable export commodity. It comes on a day where the share market rose to 200, up 0.8% to 6,648. So for more on the day's market moves, including that record trade surplus and what it means for Australia, I spoke earlier with Evan Lucas from Invest Smart. We're following on from the US. It was interesting to see again that the US markets inched out again. They have been really thinking about selling off. We saw when they came back from their 4th of July holidays on Tuesday, they started down 2.5% and rallied all the way back to be positive again last night. Another sign that they're trying to get through it, even though the minutes from the Fed overnight showed us that the Federal Reserve is wanting to be very aggressive with rate hikes. All of that gave them a positive and we've led through on the same thing There isn't any other one thing to hang your hat on. There is no major corporate news. We're in a bit of a lull here before earnings season kicks off in about two weeks' time. So it's just on the fact that we're probably following the world rather than any major lead from Australia. Can we spend a bit of time today talking about the trade surplus? A record $16 billion in May. The interesting headline, I think, is that coal exports have now trumped those of iron ore for the first time in, say, a decade or so. Tell me just how significant this is in terms of the economy and has there been any market beneficiaries? Because haven't some resource stocks taken a big beating lately? They have. So the caveat I want to say before I answer this question, this is not a positive or negative either way. I know people will have very strong opinions about coal for good reason and understanding so. But there is no denying that this is the May trade balance where prices were absolutely at their peak because of the war in Ukraine. And it's not just coal, it's also LNG. So let's also put liquefied natural gas in the same thing. It's an incredible thing to see. Coal is up 299% year on year. It's up over 120% in the five months to the end of May for when these figures were released. It shows you that the demand for thermal coal, not metallurgical coal, the coal required to make steel, this is thermal coal, was incredibly robust with the fact that we've seen a complete left field issue geopolitics throw commodities into a completely different story. And it is, as you said, the first time in decades that coal value has outstripped iron ore. And to put that into context, the iron ore price has actually fallen 18.5% year on year to go with the 299 increase in coal. I will say this, it's not likely to be sustained. We've already seen from the RBA that in June, their commodities index and complex is starting to decline. But it does show you that the coffer return, the government particularly is going to get out of this, is going to be well and truly above expectations because the royalties and the taxation on coal is higher than iron ore. There is also a much larger value that you get per tonnage from coal than you do from iron ore. So all those together is why this is going to be a fascinating thing because it, again, means that net exports from a GDP perspective are going to be well and truly accretive and positive for the, uh, for the overall economy. So the possibility of a recession drops away even further. The tr- taxation return and therefore the budget's bottom line is going to be better than what's currently been said by the current uh, administration. There's no doubt that you know what Dr. Chambers is currently saying is that it's going to be poor. That's true, but the tax returns are probably going to be stronger. The question then is, how long does coal stay ahead of iron ore? And that's the next part of this question. And looking at 
the amount of exports out of Port Hedland and out of the Hunter, they're actually still relatively strong, even with all the weather issues on the eastern coast. Coal could actually remain the strongest export we have for the next two to three months and maybe even the rest of the year, depending on what iron ore does, because it is still sinking. So are there any investment opportunities there or has it already been priced in? Probably already priced in. I mean, if you look at the financial year just been, the best performing stocks on the all ordinaries, the top three were lithium companies. But in the top 10 were four coal companies and they're big ones too. They're not small. You're looking at Whitehaven, you're looking at New Hope Coal, Yan Coal, these kinds of players were actually in the top 10 best returning companies for FY22. And those three I just mentioned were over 110% or more respectively. So the opportunities probably happened. The price in the, in the coal you know, market has been known. We've known that it's grown at the rate of 300% in a year, like I just described. So the opportunity's probably been and gone. It's more about looking forward what does this mean? And I think that the question that's already been asked is if we are going to go through a global recession or particularly a recession in China and the US, because they're the two under the amount of pressure with either COVID zero or inflation problems, the rebuild, the COVID rebuild, the demand for commodities is probably unfortunately a little bit on the slide. And I think you're already starting to see that and explains your question about why we're sliding in that place is because the outlook is actually not as rosy as it once was because things are now known they're expensive, and it's slowing down. You mentioned the recession word there. I guess the main reason that may happen is because we're seeing a fast a fast rise in interest rates globally, as well as here in Australia, right? Um, we saw the RBA lift interest rates earlier this week. What's the market now viewing in terms of the pace of upcoming rate rises, not just here but in the US, where, where it really matters, and the implication for shares? Yeah, so let's separate them. So here in Australia, expectation is another 50 basis points in August. Then the market is split. What happens in September or in October, there is a definite split. The ones that are really hawkish, which are the ones that are very, very strong on the idea, believe the RBA will keep raising rates all the way to the end of the year. However, some people believe they'll pause for two uh, months in a row and then go again in November and December to bring the cash rate to on or just above 2%. And that's what the market also thinks as well. The market's now pricing in December at 2.25% or thereabouts where the cash rate would get. So if it's half a percent in August and then the two at the end of the year, that's another 1%. We're at 1.35% now. So that's above where the market would sit according to the analytical world and the economist world. So that can be debated. So that's what is expected here. In the States, I think that's a better question because the speed and veracity at which they're going is much, much harder. The expectation of 75 basis points coming in July is huge because unlike here in Australia, they don't have as many meetings to go. They actually have quite a gap between the July one and then at the end of September, they have one more and then one at the back end of November and then one to finish the year. So they don't have as much inverted commas time to raise rates like the RBA does and they are trying to front load it. They are very aggressive on that idea. So rates, according to the Fed, are supposed to be about 3.25% by December, which would mean they'd still have to do 75 basis points and then possibly two additional 50 basis points to get there. So the expectation in the States is much, much harder. It's why the possibility of a recession is higher because this is a real shock and all campaign. They are clearly trying to change people's behavior, not just to retain inflation. It's a behavior changer. It's trying to shock the American consumer to slow down what they're doing. 
And so finally, in this environment, and, you know, put into, into consideration that a lot of people would be, I guess, in a paper loss because we've seen the, the market correct itself here locally, where are the investment opportunities right now? So in terms of those investment opportunities, the interesting thing about that is that you're already starting to see that big institutionals are moving into value and large cap stocks. Because the reason behind it, the revaluation, the recalibration of the market is probably allowing you to look towards long-term investment opportunities. And that's what the, the, the money is telling us in the US. So if you look at the flow, as we call it, into large cap stocks ETFs in the US, institutional money in the last six to, to sort of five weeks has been flowing that way, which suggests that what they're saying is that a recession is probable. Short term, things are going to be uh, pretty rocky and fairly volatile, which means the lower price now is about getting in and trying to look out to the long term. That, that's what that tells me is that the large cap investment opportunity for long term gain is what people are chasing, is what the smart, inverted commas, the smarter money is chasing, is that this is a time to look through the here and now. This is not even time to think about what does Christmas 2023 look like? They're talking in what they're doing. What does 2027 look like? That's how I see the investment right now is that they are looking through this recession. They know that if it gets too hard, too rocky, interest rates can go up. They can also come down. And that's, I think, also what the bond market is telling you, that if you look past two years, starting to ease off, which suggests that in the next two years, rate cuts not only could happen, they're starting to become a real possibility to a certainty. So that is what's happening at the moment. The flow is to a longer term duration and towards a longer term investment opportunity, which is why large caps are, are being snapped up. Evan Lucas there from InvestSmart. This SBS On The Money podcast is provided for informational purposes only. The content on this podcast should not be understood as constituting advice or a recommendation. It is not personal advice and does not consider your personal circumstances or objectives. You should contact a licensed professional before making any financial decision. Music